0: Welcome to the See Me Now podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Coleman, here with my co-host, Caitlin Burtzall. And we are joined today by Mo LeMay, Colorado Mesa University Department of Theater Arts Head and Associate Professor. Welcome to the show.
1: I'm glad to be here.
0: So theater has really been a part of your life for a very long time. You discovered it uh, through a relative in a a unique way, uh, is what I hear. Can you tell that story for us?
1: Yeah, my aunt... Is weirdly seven years older than me. And we'd go down to Florida and she'd play on the piano and play guitar and she surfed. um, And she was the coolest person I had ever encountered. And subsequently, she got her theater degree. She went, she performed on Broadway um, in several shows, but she did Pump Boys and Dinettes for many, many years. And I just thought she was the most incredible person on the planet. And I wanted to be like her, (laughs) I guess, is uh, in some why I went down that path to a certain extent. There are a lot of other factors.
0: Did you go and and watch her on Broadway? I saw
1: her. She did Pump Boys and Dinettes, the show that you may or may not be familiar with, on Broadway. And then she did it in Chicago for seven years. So she did something like... I think, And then she took it with her partner, and they produced it in Branson for another several years, too. So I think she probably did 10,000 performances of that show over the course of her... Is that right? Could be something like that. It was a ridiculous amount of performances. And I, after being an actor for uh, several years and doing shows for three or four or five months, discovered that I really didn't want to... Do, I got bored with it, um, but really great actors seem to find ways to make it interesting all the time.
0: Was it sort of like that? Um, I don't know. Seeing her change into this whole other person on stage is what kind of inspired you to want to want to do that too.
1: I think it was just that there was this possibility of a path that um, seemed exciting to me, and then I also had this teacher in high school. His name was Neil Fox, and. He was just far in the way the most interesting, inspiring. He would come and do lectures as a character. He'd come in costume and he'd, you know, he'd be John Proctor in the Crucible and do a lecture as John Proctor. And so it was he was just so fun. And then it was an entry point into all this self-discovery and a way of Finding out aspects about myself that I didn't even know I contained. So, it was sort of like you've discovered the universe within yourself along the way, which is, um, I think, what's pretty exciting about the theater.
2: Will you tell us a little bit then about your undergraduate and graduate degree experiences and kind of where that path led you afterwards?
1: Yeah, it's why I'm particularly indulgent with undergrads because they sometimes don't know exactly what they want to do. And I didn't know what I wanted to do either. So I started out um, as an architecture major. I'd been um, accepted into the School of Mines. I was pretty good in math. And um, I got and did a semester as an architect. And then I was it really, I had done a lot of theater in high school, and I was missing that creative aspect of myself. And I think just the dimensionality of like the physical part of it, the emotional part of it, the psychological part of it. And so I switched majors mis- mid-semester at CU. I went to CU for a year and then switched to what at the time was the, the theater school in Colorado, which was Loretto Heights College, which was a little small liberal arts college that was a nursing school and a theater school, and. Um, Uh, A lot of the people that are doing theater still that are my age, you know, running theaters, are are from that program. And then one of the professors at at Loretto Heights went to the National Theater Conservatory in Denver and invited me to audition. And we went through a two-day audition process, and ultimately I got selected to do that. I'm really relating to this right now because we just had a student uh, that today found out that he's going to Case Western, which is a very, it's really cool. He's, um, it's, there are only eight students from the whole country invited into this program and he's going to get his tuition paid for and everything. So it's pretty cool.
2: That's amazing. That's yeah. got to feel great too now as a, like you said, you've been a, been through a similar experience and then now getting to be on this side as probably a mentor and teacher and faculty it, member to see that.
1: I, I wanted, when I graduated from graduate school, I had an opportunity to teach right away and I decided not to do it because I felt like I wanted to go out into the world and discover what it was like to be a theater person for a while before I came back and taught, um, which I had 20 years of doing that uh, before I came back to academia. It's actually longer than that. And um, I was I, I was saying to the student this morning, we were jumping around so excited because it just it's a great accomplishment, you know, for students. But I was saying to him, you know, you're you're now it's the baton being passed on to you in a way, and my teacher who I was mentioning that was at Loretto Heights College and then was at, he was a wonderful old character actor named Archie Smith. And many people in the Denver area would be very, he was a beloved human being, wonderful actor. Um, And he'd done Broadway and regional theater and had become a teacher um, in a variety of capacities, but was at the Denver Center Theater Company and um he was a student of Michael Chekhov, who was a student, the student of uh, Stanislavsky. And so there's this kind of lineage of traditions and um, learning that that um, we pass down in this this work. and um, just being part of that lineage and passing the baton is a very it's exciting to me. Well, I think like it's a testament
0: it. too to the program right the student moving on you know only eight seats are open and and they were selected so that's a big a big deal as to kind of what you guys are doing here in the the world that you're fostering and creating for these students
1: i i feel i have been um observing our faculty teach classes for the last couple of weeks because as a department head i that's what i get to do and what i have to do and um i i I am astonished at, at the quality of our faculty. Um, the training that they're getting is just first class. And I know that because I hired actors for many years when I was uh, running a theater company. And there were these just these programs throughout the country that you could tell that they were – they were just the programs that were cranking out the students that were going to go out there and work in the field and that I always wanted to go to those schools to see how you know what students they were um, cranking out. And there were just a few of them that were always good. And I feel like right now we are one of those programs as well.
0: And can you talk about, I guess, yeah, you said you wanted to get that hands-on, real-world experience before you went into the classroom to to teach. What was that path? I know you were um, in Creed for a while, Creed, Colorado, and and really this small town in the mountains thrived as um, as kind of an art mecca, really, because of you and the work that you did there.
1: Yeah, I, I don't claim credit for it. It was a very unique place that was started by... And again, this is just the what I like to share with students who are um, 18, 19, 20, 21 years old. The Creed Repertory Theater was started by 12 students from the University of Kansas. They were all like 19, 20 years old, and they had just seen a Post-it note on, you know, on a call board that this little town in Colorado was trying to start a theater company, and the Junior Chamber of Commerce was... Advertising for someone to do this. This sophomore picked up the notice, drove out to Creed with some friends, and a bunch of miners, basically, hardware store owner, grocery store owner, said, "Okay, we'll give you the the keys to the to the Creed Opera House, and you guys produce a season." And this was night in 1966, and so that started what became this this theater company that. Ultimately, is now, you know, when I think when I left, I don't know exactly the stats. I've got a great friend that's running the company now. But um, I, when I left, we were, we were, had uh, about 50,000 people saw a production of ours, either through touring, we were taking shows to Denver. Um, people were coming from all over uh, the country, all over the ro- world, really, to come see a theater. And, um, we built a second theater in a town of 400 people. We had studies from um, the San Luis Valley Depart- uh, Development Resources Group that basically um, all the data would share that we, uh, the Creed rep was actually about 25% of Mineral County's economy. Um, so it was amazing. It was amaz- It was it was both an economic um, thing and an artistic mecca. And I met just extraordinary people in my time down there. Um, artists, just that that uh, I got to work with, and board members who were shepherding the the theater company along. And uh, I got to choose plays I wanted to work on and work with incredible people. It was like a, it was a dream. You know, it was really dreamy.
2: You mentioned this briefly earlier, but I'm curious if your time at that theater and really working with probably a wide array of performers helps influence what we're doing here at CMU or, you know, you were there for 12 years, came here. And like I said, I can only imagine how many different types of performers and personalities that you had to work with. Do you take the good of what you learned there and really try to influence that here for our students?
1: I, I sure try every day to try to do that. I um, We had, um, there was an actress that had been with the company for, um, she's now, she's still with the company. I think she has 50 years of performing at this company under her belt, and she is sublime. Her name is Christy Brandt. But there are many actors that had decades of performance, you know, and performed and all over the place. And then we would bring in undergrads as interns. So we were working with young people as well that were becoming part of. We were doing training with them and also having them do small roles and stuff in our company. And now many of those actors are out there, you know, I see them on television all the time or in movies and it's, you know, it's really thrilling to see these people who, you know, we kind of took as their first professional gig are now doing all these amazing things. So I think we were... Um, Another thing that was uh, we had going for us is I think for six years we were uh, our actors we were um, considered by the Denver Post they had this voting thing that where they ranked um, the the best season by a company and for six years we got that um, that recognition which was really cool but it was I think of the theater as an actor driven medium and. Um, so I think I was starting to establish an aesthetic about what the, what really worked in storytelling and in theater, um, and learned a lot about telling story and how to do it effectively and dramatically and interestingly. And I hope that's, you know, what I'm bringing to students when I'm working with them.
2: You know, and I've always been curious here how we choose what productions to do, because there are so many great plays and musicals out there that we could do and i feel like each year i'm surprised by what we select or i'm excited about what we select so what does that process look like here of selecting productions and and how do you decide out of all of the great plays and musicals what to do each year
1: well it's uh it's um very different than when i was in creed because i chose everything I had a lot of people that would suggest things, but I had the, you know, as the artistic director, I got to make that decision. And what was fun, I think 30% of the plays we did down there were original works. And it was super exciting to work on plays with playwrights. And that still is my favorite thing to do. I love it. Um, but here we do it, it's academia. <laughs> you do everything by committee, and and I'm glad we do actually because you're trying to take all of these. Uh, you're trying to serve a bunch of different needs. You're trying to serve the needs of the our basically our CMU theater and dance companies in a way because we we're self sufficient. We have to make enough ticket revenue to support the you know our work that we're doing. So we have to do some popular shows. We have to do a SpongeBob or a Guys and Dolls or something like that, those shows that people, Fiddler on the Roof, those things that people are going to recognize and so therefore are going to come see a show. Um, We also want to do things that educationally are the kinds of material that actors are going to go out there and get paid to do. So we want to do some Shakespeare and we want to do – some a lot of music theater and we want to do some comedies you know so because that's what the commercial work is going to pay you know it's that's how you're going to get a paycheck and then as artists we also want to do those things that just are artistically intriguing to us and like right now we're working on this play Floyd, Floyd Collins which is this bizarre little piece of music theater that um I'm really interested to see how the audiences react to this darn thing because it's a peculiar piece. But I'm so glad that we get to do it because I've wanted to do it for years. But you know, I um, it's ch- it's a super challenging piece both from a from a technical standpoint. The music is really hard. I've got these great musicians that are working on this, and we're all like, "Oh, this is so hard." Um, and it's and it's uh, kind of this uh, patchwork of a story about this really unusual event of this caver is trapped down in a cave um, that happened 100 years ago. Um, so it's sort of avant-garde. I don't know if it'll work. But we want to be able to do things like that. And you occasionally want to be able to do, you know, Sophocles or, you know, because that's part of the training as an actor. You want to be able to do those kinds of things. So it's a patchwork of trying to serve a bunch of different needs when we select our seasons. And it's good. There's a committee to try to figure out how to do that.
0: Let's chat about the magic of the theater because it exists and it's real. And anybody who's been to a show of any kind knows that there's a shared experience that exists when something funny happens, we all laugh. And when something sad happens, we all, you know, cry. And um, but there's something to a, a room full of people sharing in the emotion the same way way and, and having that uh, connection with others who you may not really know.
1: Well, you've nailed it. I mean, that's what it is. And that's the the joy of this art form is that we gather together. And it's even, you know, I went, um, <laughs> I, I was kind of tickled. that The student invited me to go see Ant-Man the other night after a rehearsal. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll go see it. Um, it was fun. And it was, you know, like, even that was just like this shared experience. But when you're sharing the experience with the actors as well and with musicians in the room and you're having this collective experience that um, transcends its time and place, like I'll keep, you know, the shows that I've really loved and that I've had these experiences about, they become the subject matter for dinner conversations and, you know— gatherings of old friends and that sort of stuff that shared experiences is, is and I think in our disconnected digital age it's maybe more vital than it's ever been to get in a room together with people we don't know and actually have a collective shared experience that isn't about you know some agenda or some you know or politics or uh you know or whatever it might be that it's just about um, the the human experience and um, so I I'm I don't think I'll ever get tired of that aspect of it. It is magical. It is magical, and it's still to me whenever I walk into a theater that I've never been to before. There's just something about a theater that uh, strikes me as being a place i I my imagination gets excited about it. I'm excited to go into a theater.
0: Well, and from the actor's perspective too. I mean, when you hear. You know, a hundred or five hundred people react to a line you just gave or a song you just sang. That's—I don't know that feeling because I've never been on stage before, but I imagine it's—it's it's seductive
1: as can be. I can tell you, so seductive, it's thrilling when you have the audience in the palm of your hand and you can feel this silence that is this expectancy, this uh, held space. Ah. It's great. It's great. Actors love that. We all love it. That's what we're trying to create, this uh, that ephemeral thing that we all know what it is. We can feel what that is, but it's really hard to t- articulate what that, that shared thing is when you're just like hanging on the edge of your seat.
2: So you've experienced a lot in your career, everything from being an actor to running a theater as an artistic director. What brought you to CMU and what made you want to be in the classroom at a university?
1: Well, I um, had been down in Creed, and uh, uh, Tim Pino, who I had hired a couple times to do some fight choreography for us, um, shared the fact that they had a position open. We had just built this new theater. I was I was uh, pretty ready to do something else. And I also felt like I had this—and it was hard for me to leave because I really—I love— that theater and I love that town and I love so many people in it. But it felt like um, it was just time. My kids were in junior high and I felt like it was, I wanted to kind of broaden their horizons and I wanted to broaden my own. And I felt like I had something to offer at that point. Like I really felt like after all this accumulated experience that I could uh, share with students something of value. Um, And that that was really exciting to me, even though I didn't know how to do it when I first started. I'm not sure I st- even know how to do it now. I'm still trying to figure that all out. Um, but uh, that was the thing. And it's cold in Creed, too. And it was nice and warm here in Grand Junction. It's okay. it's <laughs> That's a good reason. Thing. It's cold. I look at the weather app, and it's, you know, four, 20 below zero there all the time. It's really cold. So this is so much more pleasant. But it was actually being in the classroom, and, and I left here for a little bit um to go work um up at the aspen institute for a few years and um and what drew me back really was the the students is really what what brought me back to it
0: so robinson theater as wonderful as it is it is a little old
1: it's a little old but we've gotten 50 years old (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> We've got some good news though because in March something really revolutionary is happening and I think anybody across the country would say the same thing because so many organizations and institutions are the first thing they cut, it's the arts. Yeah. Right? It's the last it's the first thing to go. Yeah. Here it's one of the first things we're we're actually funding and putting money towards.
1: Yeah, it's it's uh it's really cool. I've been working out on the uh this side of the Rockies now for a long time. And it's hard to get money and resources to to put into the arts. Um and it's not for a lack of capability out there. Like there's, you know, there's all this uh rich uh vein of talent out here that um doesn't get the resources that it needs. Um, so the fact that we're getting this, this building just feels like affirmation in so many ways of, you know, both personally, I think for the university, it feels like, like affirmation, like we're getting a little attention over here. Um, and I, I couldn't be more um, thrilled about that, that that's going to happen. And I think just, just thinking into the future, it's to have a, a home like that for the arts, you know, for the next 50 years, the, all of the stuff, all of the experience that are going to be created out of this this home um, is going to really enrich the lives of students and faculty and the community and um, artists. And so it's it's really, I couldn't be more delighted.
0: Well, what a cool thing for, yeah, the community here, right? Because the level of... Um art that is going to be coming to CMU's campus. I mean, obviously, we'll have students and faculty producing what you guys have produced before, but in a in a grand, a grander uh, place, and we can open it up to all different kinds of people doing their own craft, and the community is always welcome to, to see that.
1: It's one of the things that was nice about going to school in Denver is because, especially when I was in graduate school, I, I could, you know, go see theater virtually every night um or i you know like there was all and there was exposure to these incredible artists and now we're going to have this place where um you know touring shows can come through presenters could come through you know it just gives us access to to the community and to the students to art that they may not have experienced before it'll be really really cool
0: Well, we're really excited for the new theater and we are so happy to have you as part of the CMU crew. Thank you so much for being here today, Mo.
1: I appreciate it. Thanks.
0: Thank you for listening to the CMU Now podcast. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.